right, this is what we call an emergency podcast. Uh, at least that's what other podcasts are calling it. I don't, I don't know that it's an emergency, but we have breaking news. And I figured I'd come here with you and talk to you a little bit about it. This is the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. I'm J.C. Sherbert. Uh, the SEC just released its schedule for the 2020 football season. That means South Carolina knows who it's playing and when. And I, I tell you, it's – it's a little difficult to wrap your head around an all SEC schedule, no matter what team you're really looking at. Uh, even Alabama, I mean, you look at it and there's no, you know, Alabama sometimes will go, you know, after the neutral side opener, they'll go and play uh, Louisiana Monroe, Western Kentucky. Then they'll have an off week and maybe play a Missouri or somebody and they get back into the West. Uh, not so this year. I mean, it's <laughs> start to finish. You're going, eh, 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 yeah, pitfalls, pitfalls everywhere, pitfalls everywhere. Um, and it, it could, it's probably going to make for one of the most exciting seasons uh, in the history of the SEC. And that's what makes it the greatest conference in the country. I mean, you know, you, you have SEC versus SEC every single week. Um, it gets tough. It gets brutal. And, um, you know, South Carolina did not escape that. I, I do think that if if you're the University of Tennessee, uh, you're maybe a little bit uh, chapped about it, uh, about the, the draw you made, because they have to come, you know, to South Carolina to open the season. Plus, they added Texas A&M and Auburn to the schedule and already had to play Alabama. Um, you know, South Carolina uh, plays Auburn, Texas A&M, LSU, uh, and then got Ole Miss – you know, I look at it, and obviously there's a stretch. And it's interesting how the Gamecock schedule sets up because it goes – you start off with three SEC East opponents, and then you go with four from the West back-to-back-to-back-to-back with an open date in there. And then you have three in the East to end the season. Um, I thought that was interesting just how that set up. You know, East, West, East, 3-4-3, three, three, um, you know, in terms of how everything's going to go. So let, let's run it down. Uh, I want to talk to you this morning. It hadn't been released yet, so um, I'm going to get to it right now. Of course, the Gamecocks are opening up uh, with the University of Tennessee. Uh, that's a place that uh, has not been friendly to the Vols over the years, and the Gamecocks have, um, you know, not played well uh, historically at Neyland Stadium either during that time, but it's a very competitive series. After the Vols won in 2006, 31-24, um, and I think at that point it had been since 92 that the Gamecocks had not beaten Tennessee and Columbia. Gamecocks ran off wins in 08, 2010, 2012. Uh, had them beat in 2014 and lost that game. It was a miracle win for Tennessee. Beat them in 2016 and beat them again in 2018. So it's been almost 15 years. Uh, and Tennessee's only win um, – you know, has come uh, on a miracle, the Josh Dobbs miracle. Gamecocks up 42-28, and, you know, you don't think they're going to go anywhere or anything, but it's uh, it's uh, it's a situation where Dobbs let him back and went to overtime the Gamecocks lost. So you open up with Tennessee, and that's, you know, most of the early lines I've, I've seen kicked around have it as a pick em. Uh, I think it's the only game in week one with the SEC schedule that features such uh, – Juggernaut type matchups as Georgia at Arkansas and Alabama at Missouri. Uh, Florida at Ole Miss should be pretty interesting and competitive, as should Kentucky and Auburn. And, and I think Mississippi State LSU, just because it's Leach's first game 
against the defending national champions in the SEC should be somewhat interesting. But, uh, uh, you know, th- this is the game that uh, if you're looking for one that's competitive that could go right down to the wire, I think Tennessee-South Carolina is it. I think, you know, what happened last year in terms of the scope of the overall series with the Vols was an anomaly. Um, it's not something that's normal with that series, no matter how good or bad uh, the teams are. I'm talking about Tennessee's 20-point win last year against the Gamecocks in Knoxville, which was a complete collapse in the second half in all three phases of the game. Uh, The defense gave up long plays, big plays. Special teams was a disaster that day when it's normally pretty solid. Offense had a good first half or a good three drives in the first half, big play by Shai Smith. But, you know, then could go nowhere. It stalled. I mean, it, it was just a bad game. You know, a lot of really good plays individually in that one. The Shy Smith, Brian Edwards had a great catch, that type of thing. But um, it's just not, uh, you know, that's not indicative of how it normally goes. You know, Tennessee and South Carolina usually three for six point ball game. Uh, Will Muschamp's three wins over the Vols uh, prior to uh, the loss, and that was his first loss of his career to Tennessee last year. Uh, you know, three-point win in 2016, six-point win up there in 2017, and then a three-point win in Columbia again in 2018. So it's usually competitive. Even that 2012 game, which was bad for a lot of reasons, even though the Gamecocks won uh, thanks to a heroic play by Jadevi and Clowney when Tennessee was driving for the upset. I think that was the last Derek Dooley team they had. Um, and, and, of course, that's a game Marcus Lattimore's career ended, and I think that um, – he was having such a great game that game. It was ridiculous. But, you know, even that game was competitive. Um, Gamecocks won by 14 in 2010, 11 up there in 2012 – or in 2011. Um, but, you know, lots of competitive ball games. And, and so, you know, looking at the way these teams match up, I think Tennessee's defense is going to be the strength of their team early. I think the same about South Carolina. I'm expecting a low-scoring game. It's a season opener. So it wouldn't surprise me to see one of those kind of like that game up at Vandy a couple of years ago that goes down the wire 13-10 or something like that. Um, Because I think both defenses have a chance to be really, really good um, next year. Tennessee's defensive line I think is good. Um, Probably not their strongest point. I like their linebackers. Love their secondary. You know, say what you want about Bryce Thompson. He's a ball player. Elante Taylor's a ball player. Jalen McCullough's a guy obviously South Carolina recruited. Um, their secondary is good, and South Carolina's going to have to find a way to pass the ball. Uh, on the flip side, Tennessee doesn't return their great receivers. Callaway's gone. Jennings is gone. So they're going to have to find some guys. Garantano comes back. He's been up and down, um, and he's up right now. You know, he had a really good finish to the season, as did their entire team. You know, running back, you have Jordan and uh, Eric Gray, who the Gamecocks recruited out of Memphis, uh, are their two backs. Um, Really good offensive line, even though Cade Mays, uh, the transfer from Georgia, the former five-star prospect who's from Knoxville, maybe shouldn't have have gone to Georgia anyway if you're just going to go home. He got his appeal for instant eligibility uh, denied by the NCAA, one of the very few that they've denied. But they have been denying some. And um, so they're going to appeal it. Who knows if he'll play or not. Regardless of Cade Mays, though, I I will still say that the Tennessee offensive line really improved uh, from from Georgia State to Indiana and the bowl game last year. They improved probably more than any single unit in the league. Um, 
I remember talking to, to some folks surrounding the Georgia State program that said after they went up there and beat them that Tennessee had one of the worst offensive lines they'd ever seen ever. Um, then that's Georgia State, and, they, of course, they lost that game 38-30. But, you know, turning it back around, you know, they ended up being good. You got some good players. Trey Smith is really good. Kennedy's really good. Um, you know, if you don't have Mays, that's a that's a hit. But they're still pretty good up front. So I kind of expect, you know, South Carolina to be good up front on offense as well. Gamecocks probably try to run the ball. I mean, th- this could be one of those early season slobber knocker Southeastern Conference types of games. Uh, and so I think that when you're looking at it from that standpoint, um, you know, it, it's it, it's going to be a pretty competitive opener. Now, just looking at the Tennessee-South Carolina game as the schedule used to be, I would have told you, and I think many others would have, that's a critical game for Will Muschamp uh, against that team. You don't want Tennessee to start getting on a roll against you. Uh, I promise you they are already trying to make recruiting inroads in the state of South Carolina. Um, that's an important state for them. If you think about when they were national championship contenders, all the talent that they pulled out of the Palmetto State, because uh, it's close, it's right there, you know, and, and if kids are willing to go, you know, they're going to take advantage of it. They are. They got Bryce Thompson, like I said, and we know that Bryce Thompson could not come to South Carolina um, for a reason, an off-the-field reason. Uh, South Carolina did not recruit Jalen Hyatt, who is a freshman receiver up there who's already in the two deep. Um, so there's that, uh, you know, they've also got Tion Evans, uh, out of junior college who the Gamecocks placed, but he's from Hartsville, Tennessee got Albert Hainsworth out of Hartsville back in the nineties. Um, you know, he's going to Tennessee. So, so along and along, you know, they're trying to kind of chip away and, you know, why is South Carolina gone from a team that hopes to go to a bowl game every year to a, a program that has higher standards than that? Um, it's because, you know, the Tennessee's and Florida states of the world, and to a lesser extent, the Georgias, they can't just come over into South Carolina and get anybody anymore. You know, I mean, it's basically Carolina or Clemson for most of the in-state talent. Now there are exceptions, but most of the time the Gamecocks are tight. You know, if it's not the Tigers, it's the Gamecocks. Um, and, and a lot of times before all those, those guys would go to Florida state, Georgia, Tennessee, sometimes North Carolina. So, uh, you know, that's one thing you got to avoid. And, you know, it's going to be awfully hard given the momentum they have on the recruiting trail already uh, as one of the very best um, Zoom recruiting teams in the country during the pandemic. Um, they come in here and beat you. You know, they're going to start having a story to tell to some of these South Carolina kids like Terry and Ingram Dawkins from Gaffney. Uh, they've gotten players out of Gaffney before, too. So I, I think it's important. It's always been, no matter how bad they've been the last 10 years at times, it's always been important to win the game. It's bad when the Gamecocks lose it. Next to Georgia and Clemson when they're on the schedule, Tennessee, to me, for South Carolina is the most important game to win. Um, And it's because of recruiting. It's because of the placement in the SEC East. You know, it's awfully hard to have four great programs. Um, So if you're going to be great, you need Georgia, Florida, Tennessee to be down Tennessee has been down. Um, South Carolina's kind of been down the last few years, too, last five years. So um, very important opener in a number of ways. So then uh, October 3rd, second week of the season, Gamecocks go to the Swamp to play Florida. Uh, Gators will open at Ole Miss. You know, they're a team that's got a lot of hype. Uh, They're a team the last two years of the offseason I think I've disrespected a little bit. 
Um, I still watch them play, not just against South Carolina, but other teams. And, you know, they're not the flashy Gators under Steve Spurrier or the powerful Gators under Urban Meyer. That You know, you look up at the clock, the scoreboard, it's 56-3, to three, and you're like, man, this was a rout. They're, they don't play like that. They play almost like a, you know, South Carolina Lou Holtz team uh, to where they're just doing what it takes to win games. You know, Kyle Trask does what it takes to win games. Um, their skill talent does what it takes to win games. Their defense does what it takes to win games. They're very fast, uh, and they've got very high expectations um, heading into the season. This is the game, in my opinion, although I thought Tennessee was the low point of the year, uh, I think for the last two years, blowing the fourth quarter lead against Florida, and it was 17 in the swamp in 2018, and it was three at Williams-Brice last year, thanks to a terrible call, um, has taken the wind out of the sails of the Gamecocks a little bit. I mean, you think back to last season. Uh, you go on the road, you beat Georgia. Before that, you snap the, the game against the streak with Kentucky and soundly beat them. So you got that off your back. If you beat Florida in that game, all of a sudden the loss to Missouri and the, the loss to North Carolina – you know, doesn't doesn't seem to matter as much because you, you kind of put it all together and you have well, yeah, played respectably at times against Alabama. Um, you know, Missouri was a disaster, but then you come back and you snap a streak against Kentucky, you snap a streak against Georgia, and you beat Florida and erase those demons. But that didn't happen. Um, and once again, Todd Grantham uh, ate Brian McClendon's lunch in the fourth quarter, just like he did the year before, and uh, and that's what happened. So that Florida game. Looms large. The Gamecocks have a second straight road game after that. They go to Vanderbilt to play Nashville. I'm sorry. I'm messing things. I'm not used to recording at night. <laughs> they go to Nashville to play Vanderbilt. Um, you know, this one was supposed to come kind of later in the year. I think Halloween weekend was when it was originally scheduled. You know, that kind of comes at a good spot because, you know, you start thinking about it. If the Gamecocks happen to start 0-2, you know, you go to Vandy – you know, you got a chance at winning. You match up well with them, obviously. You know, Carolina was not a good team last year and was not playing well when they played Vandy and still beat them pretty soundly. So the trip to Nashville comes at a good time. Then you pause the SEC East schedule and you roll the West. And Auburn comes to williams Bryce Stadium for the first time since 2011. You want to talk about heartbreaking, costly games. That one was – <laughs> that was – um. If I'm not mistaken, that was on a Wounded Warriors, uh, you know, uniform day. It was a, uh, it was a CBS game, three thirty. Uh, beautiful weather, and Carolina's offense just could not get it going. Stephen Garcia played bad. Gus Malzahn, give him credit, calling the ball plays for that team that year. He gave it to Michael Dyer, or Dwyer, Michael Dwyer, I think forty times. And they eked out a 16-13 to 13 win at Williams-Brice. <laughs> a lot of heartbreaking games against Auburn over the years. Gamecocks have not beaten them as a member of the SEC. Um, Auburn does not have it tremendously easy to start the year. Uh, they could be looking at one and two, probably two and one would be my guess, or maybe even three and oh, before they come to Columbia for that one. Then it's down to the Bayou to play LSU uh, on the schedule released today, you know, I, they were talking about, well, what if South Carolina goes in there and surprises LSU because they got this team and this team and this team. And I'm sitting there thinking there's probably about seven other games on the schedule that I think South Carolina would be an underdog in that I would say there's a better chance of surprising. 
but you never know. I, you know, I, I, I believe LSU is going to be better than people think. I, I think that when you win a national championship like that, when you really had one of the most dominant seasons in the history of college football, um, and then they were, uh, you can make an argument that was one of the best teams ever in college football. You know, once you kind of break through and get to those goals and you've been recruiting well, you know, you have a coach that's gone from outhouse to penthouse, you know, people were talking about hot seat this, hot seat that, and then he wins the whole thing. Um, and he loves it there. That's his thing. That's Ed Orgeron. The, the, they kind of start to get a little bit of a, I don't know, golden horseshoe a little bit. Now, golden horseshoes a lot of times don't work in the SEC. <laughs> you know, sometimes you have that next year. I mean, I mentioned the 2011 Auburn game. That Auburn team, I think, was eight and five. Um, and coming off the national championship here with Cam Newton and all that. So, you know, Alabama's really been the only program in the league that's been able to sustain it. Even Florida's Urban, Urban Myers Florida teams. Um, they they won the first one in 06. Then in 07, when Tebow won the Heisman, you know, they were a 9-4 and four football team that lost the Citrus Bowl to the Michigan team that lost to App State. Um, you know, then they rebounded the next year, won the whole thing, and they were very good for the next year as well. But, you know, it's hard to sustain it in the SEC unless you're Alabama. So we'll see about LSU. That's a tough one. Gamecocks have Halloween off, so – no Halloween game this year. Uh, it was, I think, it, like I said, it was supposed to be Vandy, uh, but bye week there. And then uh, continuing in the West, November 7th, Texas A&M comes to town. Gamecocks have not beaten the Aggies <laughs> since they joined the league. And it wasn't all that close last year, but, you know, those games in between the first one and the most recent one have been relatively close at times. But, uh you know, who knows where A&M will be at at that time. You know, this is supposed to be their breakthrough year under Jimbo Fisher. You know, people were groaning about them getting added to their schedule. Kellen Mond is a senior. Um, this is supposed to be the year for the $75 million man, Jimbo Fisher. So we'll see kind of how they are by that time of the year. It's in Columbia, so we'll see what happens. November 14th, and last time the Gamecocks went to Ole Miss, it was like early November um, at Ole Miss to play Lane Kiffin and his team. Uh, who knows what they'll be by then. And then that wraps up the West. So, you know, like I said, three games against the East, four against the West. Uh, I will say that I think Ole Miss has talent on their roster. You know, by that point in the year, you know, they, they've got a brutal, brutal schedule too. Um, so who knows who will be doing what by that point. Um, you know, so looking at the, the, the first three East games, and then the next four West, you know, you can, you can look at it and, and, and say, you know, game costs will be underdogs. I don't know about how many, but you know, there, there's not that game, you know, they're, they're not playing in Alabama um, or Georgia. And I know Carolina beat Georgia last year, but Georgia's, you know, there's a reason they're in the top five. It's because they returned the best defense in college football, probably. Um, you know, you, you have Auburn reloading a lot of their team. You have LSU reloading a lot of their team. You know, you have Texas A&M who is hoping for a breakthrough year, who, who you know, isn't going to be afraid of the Gamecocks. Uh, but they're Texas A&M, and, and they lose games. I mean, they're not a juggernaut. They have not arrived yet. And then at Ole Miss. So the, the, the journey through the West could be a little bit more difficult, uh, I think, especially if you had to, like, go to Auburn 
um, instead of having them come to your place and then have Ole Miss at home. If you switch those, it'd be a little more difficult. You know, I, I don't know if the Gamecocks will be, you know, spitballing it. Obviously, only the Ole Miss game right now, what I say the Gamecocks could be a favorite, could. Um, but it's not as bad as, you know, it could be. The, the journey through the West is not terrible. All right, so then you get back to the East, and this is certainly manageable. Um, Missouri comes to town uh, November 21st, and uh, Eli Drinkwitz will try to come and pull some November magic off at williams Bryce for the second straight year. I don't think they're going to be very good this season. Um, Georgia takes the place of Clemson on Thanksgiving weekend, which is interesting. Um, you know, we don't know what's going to be the situation – you know, heck, by the time the Thanksgiving weekend gets here, my guess is we'll either have more fans than they're expecting or we'll have no fans. <laughs> you know, it just kind of depends on the virus and the numbers and what they can safely do. But, heck, that's a nice game. I mean, you know, since they canceled Clemson and they canceled the Georgia-Georgia Tech game, that, that's not bad. Uh, I think most dog fans are cool with Thanksgiving weekend against South Carolina. Um coming to Columbia and that's that they kind of have a coast. I mean, that, that game in Columbia is their toughest game the last four. Uh, and then December 5th to the northernmost point in the entire league, the Gamecocks will go. Uh, it's the first time since 1987 South Carolina has played a December regular season game, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and that was when they played at Miami in 87 after the Clemson game. Big-time top-ten matchup. I was there with my dad. Uh, I was 10 years old. At the old Orange Bowl, there was a fight. <laughs> Look it up on YouTube. Um, you know, so going up to Kentucky, obviously, you know, there's a lot of history there with Kentucky re- recently. Um, they return a lot of players. Uh, you know, play, playing them at the end is not that terrible, in my opinion. Um you know, because it kind of gives you time to kind of see how they're going to be and how you're going to be. Uh, I don't know about going to – I don't know how warm of a weekend it's going to be in Lexington December 5th, just like I said, because that's pretty far north. But uh, that's the way it, it ends out. So, you know, I, I think anytime you talk about South Carolina football, you have to talk about the SEC East. You have to talk about, you know, how does this program fit in this division – because if you don't win the East and you can't kind of get control of that, and that, that's something Steve Spurrier did. Uh, go look at his record in the SEC against SEC East teams from 2010 to 2013, um, and, and he was masterful. You know, different types of scheduling issues, uh, you know, with other teams. Georgia really, you know, the, the years they won at 2011, 2012, they really had a favorable schedule compared to Carolina. Um, and then Missouri won it uh, because the Gamecocks lost to Tennessee in an unforgivable fashion <laughs> in 2013. Um, so, you know, Carolina, you know, you could make an argument if, if, if you, you know, without the standings that if you were just looking at rankings and ranking teams, you know, you can make an argument Carolina was the best team in the East for a while based on their record against the division and other things. You know, so that's number one. So you have to talk about, Gamecocks in terms of how are they going to get back to being one of the big boys in the SEC East, which they were. And, and I, people were like, well, this team was down and that team was down. Not really. Florida was up and down during that time. Um, Tennessee was down, just down, period. I mean, that's why that loss in 2013 was unforgivable. Georgia was not necessarily down. 
Georgia in 2012 was a play away from playing for the national championship and probably would have beaten that Notre Dame team, Everett Golson and those guys. So, and that's a team the Gamecocks beat 35 to seven. Um, obviously, you know, when, when teams are going up and down or whatever, you know, what goes up, I mean, it's a law of gravity. Uh, but I don't think that the Gamecocks just breeze through and beat up a bunch of bad teams um, during that point. I think the Gamecocks beat some teams that were pretty good um, that just maybe weren't, you know, playing to their standards as the historical standards as a program, you know, but like in 2013, you go on the road, Missouri was a top five football team the entire year. You go on the road and beat them. Uh, Gamecocks beat a UCF team on the road that year that finished undefeated um, with the exception of the game against the Gamecocks. They beat a Clemson team that won the Orange Bowl. You know, UCF, of course, won the Fiesta Bowl. They beat the Fiesta Bowl champs, the Orange Bowl champs. Missouri was the SEC East champs. Um, there was a couple of other teams they beat that were, I don't know. That, that That's the reason the Gamecocks finished fourth in the country because you looked at their schedule and they were like, man, you beat a lot of good teams. Yeah, so you got to get back there. And um, it's not that hard because, I, I, you know, I think Georgia's really kind of on solid footing right now, very talented. I, I mentioned and told you what I felt about Florida. I think that they are a team that will win a lot. Um, are, are they an unbeatable, you know, headache like they were under Spurrier and Meyer? Not yet. Not right now. Now, maybe they are this year. Maybe they, they club the Gamecocks like, like, a, like a baby seal or something, you know. And I don't like to think about clubbing baby seals. I'm kind of an animal guy. But uh, that's the only analogy that I can think of. You know, but, but history shows us the last two years, Mullins 21 and 5. But, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a, hey, escape by the seat of your pants 21 and 5 at times. Um, you know, you've got Tennessee that wants to be back. Certainly, you know, they had a great finish to last year. Uh, they they kind of came together as a football team. Really surprised me, you know, because I, I think when you lose to Georgia State and BYU at home and then you can't cross the 50 against conference opponents, that's a bad sign. Well, it was a bad sign, and then they, they kind of played Bama well. They had some good moments against the Tide, and then all of a sudden the Gamecocks come to town and, what happened happened. Then they got on a roll, beat Kentucky again, beat Vandy, snapped a losing streak against the Commodores, uh, beat Missouri. Uh, they, uh, they, they chugged right along, got to the Gator Bowl, down 22 to nine in the fourth quarter, ended up coming back and winning. So they've, they've kind of found a way to start winning. And sometimes programs, you know, have to learn how to win. They have to start learning. And, they, and, and sometimes you got to win ugly. And they did after that game against Carolina. There were some, there were some low scoring slobber knockers. But they want to come back. They're recruiting well. Again, you have Kentucky that's on solid footing. Um, I don't blame people for having them kind of uh, in the mix as a sleeper team in the conference. That game against Auburn certainly going to tell us a lot to start off with. Um, you know, they get to play Bama this year too. So, you know, you got the Gamecocks, you got Missouri, you got Vandy. You know, Vandy's kind of settled into that seventh spot. You know, Missouri did beat the Gamecocks last year, but I don't, I don't know that you'd say they've passed Carolina. I don't think you'd say Kentucky or Tennessee's passed Carolina or distanced themselves. I do think that over time, um, and that's what people talk about, oh, they've passed us, they've passed us, they've passed us. That happens over time. You know, South Carolina eventually passed Tennessee just because even though they suffered a couple of improbable upset losses to the Vols in 
13 and 14, South Carolina was better than Tennessee. You know, South Carolina was winning 11 games, contending for the SEC East. Um, you know, they were good. And Tennessee had not been good in quite some time. Um, and South Carolina, you know, five years of, you know, you go three and nine, six and seven, nine and four, seven and six, four and eight. That's five years, three out of five years, you have a losing record. Um, and then, you know, you, you have uh, uh, three out of five years where, where you know, or, or two out of five years that you have no bowl. Um, and that's after only missing a bowl one year under Steve Spurrier when he finished the season. Of course, 2015 was a different story. So, you know, you're talking about end of Spurrier, first of Muschamp, first of Muschamp. Um, you know, it, it's kind of sunk back. So you got to start winning again. You got to start reversing it. So I talk about everything in terms of the SEC East. And I, and I think that when you look at the matchups this year, you know, Carolina could be very competitive and really do quite well um, within the division. I think the swing game's Tennessee. I think you win that one, even if you lose to Georgia and Florida. Uh, you can beat everybody else, go four and two, steal one from the other division. You're going bowling. It's going to take five wins to get to a bowl this year. Um, if there are bowls, which I do think there will be, because if, if we play a 10-game season, I'm pretty sure ESPN is going to want to televise bowls. Um, you know, the West draw, I mentioned, it, does it, set, it's, it sets up better than most. Um, bottom line is, though, I mean, th- this is – every team in the league, all 14, this is going to be exceptionally more difficult than a normal season just because you don't have that deal where, okay, well, we got our brains beat in by so-and-so. You know, we're going to come back home and uh, we're going to play Eastern Illinois and we're going to get right. You know, we're going to line up. We're going to have 500 yards of total offense. We're going to pad our stats. We're going to hold them to 98 yards. We're going to win 63 to nothing. And then we're going to come back next week and all that other stuff's going to be out of our mind. Uh-uh, it's not like that. It's it's a it's a juggernaut, you know, each and every week, even Vanderbilt. You know, Vanderbilt does line up and play football. And last year, Missouri found that out the hard way. And Tennessee's found that out the hard way. You know, the Gamecocks have, you know, first two years under Muschamp had a, some fortunate, some good fortune uh, <laughs> beating the Commodores, uh, especially that first season up there in the season opener. Um, last two years have not been that difficult, but you know, everybody lines up and plays. And if you don't play your best in the conference, you know, there's no get well game, uh, which brings me to injuries. I mean, the hope is South Carolina stays healthy this year. Uh, that has not happened. Um, there is a new strength coach in place. I don't, again, a strength coach cannot guarantee you that you're not going to have injuries. And I don't know that the strength coach was the reason they had all the injuries. I think that everything needed to be examined and hopefully they've, you know, made the adjustments that they feel are necessary to keep the big guys healthy uh, from a football injury standpoint. Um, so you got to stay healthy. And, and that's going to be an issue around the league is you get beat up conference games. You know, like I said, you play Eastern Illinois or somebody like that. I hate to keep bringing them up, Eastern Illinois, uh, Central Arkansas, somebody like that. You know, you're going to rest your starters after the first quarter. Everybody's going to play. Everybody's going to be happy. You know, not even like Arkansas, who I think most people think bottom of the league this year, is going to be like that. They got a new coach. They got 
Kendall Browse running offense, Barry Odom running defense. They're not going to back down from anybody. You know, the pit boss, Sam Pittman. So no, nothing's going to come easy, you know, in, in this league. And so South Carolina has to stay healthy. Now, that would have been the case had, uh, you know, had we been talking about the regular schedule. But I'll tell you this, if you do have a, a significant injury, particularly like let's, let's say Marshawn Lloyd surpasses our expectations and is, is the lead back, you know, national freshman of the year type performance. Well, if Marshawn Lloyd gets hurt and you have, um, you know, East Carolina and uh, Coastal, now those were the first two games, but let's say you have that kind of stretch in the middle of the year, you go to East Carolina, Vandy, Coastal, you can get through that because you're better than those three teams. But, you know, <laughs> look at this schedule. I mean, where's the breather? You know, Vandy's game three, where, I mean, what, somebody gets hurt and, and they're significant. And you got to go play Auburn and LSU in back-to-back weeks, just like an SEC West team. South Carolina's going to kind of find out this year what it's like to be in that other division. So, you know, healthy, being healthy and building depth is very important. And I talked today on thebigspur.com about the depth on this team, particularly on defense. Theoretically, it's supposed to be better, but some guys have to step up. You know, Muschamp, like he says, talking about everybody needs to be ready to play. Uh, nobody needs to be thinking about redshirting this year. I think that's partially because possible quarantine for the pandemic, which is another factor. Um, but also because, you know, if you have injuries, you need guys to step up, especially against the schedule, especially against this schedule. Bye week is right in the middle. Um, you know, when I look at it as a whole and look at some other teams maybe that are out there, I, you know, I, I think South Carolina kind of – for South Carolina, you know, they did not get completely, you know, Screwed over, like most people thought. So it all starts September 26 against Tennessee. You know, people ask me about TV. Could it be the CBS game? Yeah. And, and like I said, I, I kind of think they're going to lean towards the Mike Leach coaching his first game at LSU. Mike Leach is just such a guy that, you know, everybody's going to tune in to watch. Um, although South Carolina, Tennessee, by far, is, you know, sets up to be the most competitive game that first weekend. So, We'll talk about it more. Uh, check out thebigspur.com. Uh, I'm recording this here on a Monday night. Going to try to get another podcast out tomorrow morning. Um, I have a uh, an engagement I have to fulfill uh, tomorrow uh, during the day. Uh, so maybe this will count as tomorrow, maybe not. Regardless, if I don't see you tomorrow, I'll be back on Wednesday, uh, regular show. Uh, and then JB and Goldwater that week. And we'll also have with myself and Mike Morgan, a JC and Morgan podcast where we break down all the SEC schedules uh, and talk about, you know, just kind of how uh, conference-wide everything scoped out. I know Mike's pumped because Mike's going to get to call, like, a lot of great games. Yeah, sometimes sometimes Mike will call conference games. He called Missouri-South Carolina last year uh, and a lot of other, like, you know, conference, interconference games. But sometimes he also gets Middle Tennessee and Vandy or something like that. Well – Murray State or in Kentucky or whoever, but this year they're all good games, you know, uh, uh, you know, 10 conference games apiece. Um, so I know he's pumped about this schedule and all that. All right. Hope everybody's doing well out there. Uh, be sure to go uh, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. Uh, it's a Apple podcast. Now I call it iTunes still because most people call it iTunes rate us five stars, rate me five stars. 
Uh, leave a review there. I read all the reviews, even the negative ones from the haters. And sometimes haters have good constructive feedback. So I will talk about that. But uh, just be sure to go do that. Subscribe. Tell your friends. Uh, and, yeah, once again, this has been the Emergency Podcast. That's what they call it. The, the Rapid Reaction Podcast, I guess. Gamecocks, 2020 SEC schedule, all SEC games this year, all 10 of them. It's brutal, man. It's brutal. Uh, but it could have been worse, and uh, it's kind of exciting to think about uh, that we're probably like 38 days away uh, from teeing it up and kicking it off yet again in what should be one of the most compelling college football seasons ever. J.C. Sherbert's out, and I'll talk to you guys again soon.